Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday edition of the show. We are right on the uh, on the cusp of the conference championship games, and uh, we're going to take a time here to look at how the 2019 NFL Draft order is shaping up. You'll probably notice that both Kyle and I sound a little different today. We're both a little under the weather, but we would not let you go without the Draft Dudes podcast. Kyle, welcome to the show. This sucks. <laughs> this is brutal. We have like the same nasally thing too, so yeah. uh, not great. Not how you draw it up, but here we are, and we're going to power through it and talk about the 2019 NFL draft order. So I uh, hope you guys are ready because there's a lot of intrigue here in the top 10. But, Joe, before we get there, I have to put you on the spot. Oh, yes. Thank you. I'm excited. Your AAF team, who is it? Go right now. Uh, Orlando, the Orlando team, Steve Spurrier. Um, that's why. I mean, and, and, the, and they're five to two odds, right, to win the title this year. You coward. No, dude, you get a chance to pick the team. I I didn't have this choice with the NFL. I was born into this Bills thing. So I have the chance to pick the best team. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing uh, this. It's a little shaky, my friend. Although I kind of want to go Orlando too. The fact that they drafted Garrett Gilbert hurts their cause. Oh, why? I would have loved for them to draft Aaron Murray. I know he wasn't on the board when they picked. I know. Okay. He wasn't on the board. So you're an Atlanta fan. No, I didn't say that. Because as you said, these uniforms are certified (laughs) cheeks. They're trash. Yeah. So I have to look over the full rosters before I make up my mind. But the old ball coach certainly makes Orlando a tough team to pass. And their uniforms are pretty sweet. Yeah, so I, what we've got football everywhere now, right? Like the CFL kind of peaked over the summer. XFL is on the horizon. This thing cranks up in February. What was that league that Manziel was in? Like what we have like football on top of football, and I'll be curious to see if any of this stuff has success. Bless them. Yeah, well, Absolutely. the one thing that we know will have success, Kyle, is the NFL. It's too big to fail, not going anywhere. And, Correct. Uh, and we've got an NFL draft to talk about and a draft order that is shaping up. Kyle, I know this is something that was kind of your idea to bring this to the table today. And so what was uh, what kind of piqued your interest in this being a topic for today's show? Well, you know, you sit down and you look at the draft order right now. And the, the three worst teams in the league are currently tied at two and nine. Then you got three teams tied at three and eight. And then you got four teams tied at four and seven. So if you just looked at the top 10, One through 10 this late in the game are separated by two games. So I think you have the opportunity here, depending on what the schedules do and how these teams play down the stretch, to really have some movers and shakers inside this top 10. And that has the potential to really uproot how we perceive this early portion of the first round is going to go. 
Yeah, you know, and I think every NFL draft that kind of starts with talking about quarterbacks and where the quarterbacks are going to go. And so if anyone's listening to this show, right, it's Haskins from Ohio State, Justin Herbert from Oregon, and uh, that's probably it, right, for the first round. But what's interesting is when you start thinking about logical destinations, I don't know that I see that a possibility in the top four unless Oakland, who is picking number three right now, would want to move on from Derek Carr. And that would just set up perfectly for the Giants, who currently pick number five. Should this order for this whole order hold, which it won't, uh, for them to have their pick of the litter, or is this a situation where there could be a lot of movement? That's kind of where my mind goes early on. And then you have Jacksonville, right, who's trending more and more and more towards a high selection. They've already benched Blake Bortles. Bless him. Rest in peace, Blake Bortles. You, you did your best. And they're moving on you know, with Cody Kessler and, and certainly a team that's going to do something at quarterback. Will it be in the draft? And so those two teams right there look like the two that I can see really vying for that position to get their hands on one of those two passers. Well, and that kind of sets up when I look at the draft order right now and I'm looking at the top 10 and I say, okay, who has the most to lose by winning a game down the stretch? Interesting. Right? Yeah. And it's the Giants and the Jaguars because they're both three and eight. Jacksonville's lost seven straight football games. Yeah. They're banged up. Blake Bortles sucks. I don't know why this is breaking news. I don't know why (laughs) this surprises us, but here we are. And Bortles has been benched in favor of Cody Kessler. Uh, the Giants felt like they gave that game away to the Eagles, Joe. They were up 19-3, to yeah. and they gave Saquon Barkley five touches in the second half. He had 120 total yards of offense and two touchdowns in the first half. Four touches. Something is afoot here, my friend. I think the Giants know exactly what this podcast was going to be about, and they saw the writing on the wall for themselves as well. Winning a game doesn't do the Giants any good right now. Winning a game doesn't do the Jaguars any good right now. You got to be worried about the Oakland Raiders. I'm telling you right now, we we sat here, we watched Carr and Gruden yell at each other on the sidelines. I have a hard time believing that Gruden's going to stand for a $100 million quarterback who's throwing the ball into the ground, throwing it away on fourth and five down multiple scores <laughs> with the game of line. I think Oakland is a big trap right now for this narrative that the Giants are going to get this franchise quarterback even after taking Saquon Barkley in the first round last year. You know, it's interesting. I have another team that really comes to mind when it comes to important that they don't win any more games. Uh, But before I reveal who that is, Kyle, I want to talk about sex, good sex. Now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just got to pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, blue like the color, B-L-U-E Chew.com with our promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, 
Faster Choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. We'll be right back after this to talk more about the draft order. All right, Kyle, like I had teased before going into the uh, the the break there, See. a team a team that I think is critical that they don't win any more games, and, and it's a total possibility, is the San Francisco 49ers who currently have the number one overall pick. And what does that mean, Kyle? That means you get Nick Bosa. And you look at this 49ers team, and, and I made the mistake, quote-unquote, the mistake of, of mocking them, I believe, Greedy Williams in one of my mock drafts uh, at some point this season. And that fan base lit me up, and they wanted an edge rusher. They wanted that pass rusher. And, uh, and, and the more I paid attention to the 49ers since then, the more I realized that's absolutely true. They really don't have much coming off the edge in terms of getting that pressure, that coveted pressure, what you need to field a, a top defense. Uh, and especially with the Reuben Foster situation, he's no longer on the team. They need some pillars here. Uh, on this defense. I know that they've got Armstead and, and Foster and Solomon Thomas. Hopefully he can turn things around, and, and Fred Warner looks like a player, but Bosa's that guy, right? He's that Khalil Mack. He's that Von Miller. He's that Miles Garrett-type player that can really transform a defense, and so go ahead, lose out, get that number one pick, get your Jimmy Garoppolo back under a great coach like Kyle Shanahan with a piece like Nick Bosa added to the defense, and we're talking big things uh, turning around quickly in San Francisco. So, Joe, my counter question for you, and I have an answer, but I'd like to get yours first, is who's done themselves who who's done themselves the least damage by winning a game or two here in the last few weeks? That's interesting. Um, I think there's a lot of teams that that really come to mind. Uh, any team with with a new coach, you know, you think that's it's good for them to start building wins. Uh, but like Atlanta, right? Like they've lost three in a row. They're four and seven. They're picking seventh right now. It's not gonna. It's not gonna matter if they get a little bit hot here and fall down the order. This is a bonus because I've talked about Atlanta all year. Like they're not a four and seven football team. They're an injured football team that is just needs to get through the season, get to next year. And they're going to have a, an opportunity to definitely get a, a player potentially in the top fifteen, top ten. I don't think it makes that big of a difference if they were to win. I think I don't think Buffalo's hurt themselves by winning two football games. Oh, and the yeah. reason why the yeah. reason why I say that right is because they need offensive talent. Yeah, and the premier offensive talent in this class is defensive prospects. So if you get edge rushers and quarterbacks, and you get five or six of those going early, suddenly Buffalo could be picking at eleven. It could be getting one of the the best six players in the draft class. Right now, they're slotted ninth. They're four and seven. They've won their last two football games. The same token, they're two games out of the top spot right now. So they could go either way, but I don't think they've hurt themselves by going from two and seven to four and seven because it almost plays into the value of the draft with what their roster needs are. Well, yeah, and like you said there, everything is so close right now. Bills, depending on what happens next week, they could climb – up to four and they could drop to 18, right? right. Like, I mean, it's right. it's just a crazy spot that they're in, and it's a good point. I'm surprised I didn't think of that, especially with a young quarterback like Josh Allen who uh, you want confidence to be there. Um, and winning football games is a good way to do that. And, and and so many young players. I mean, the Bills have some vets, right? I mean, like McCoy and Lorenzo Alexander, Kyle Williams. But for the most part, this team is extremely, extremely young. And, and for them to – 
to learn how to win, know what it takes to win with a coach like McDermott who's going to be around for a while and their quarterback and Josh Allen. I think that's a good point, and I, I can't believe I didn't think of that. So I'm looking at the the order of the entire first round right now, and you know who has potential to have some big-time egg on their face by the time this is all said and done? Who comes to mind? The Oakland Raiders. <laughs> the Raiders are currently slotted to pick third. They're 2-9. and nine. They're tied for the worst record in the league. If they shed Derek Carr and they take a quarterback with the third pick, you have to go all the way to 22 to find their next of three first-round selections, and then 26 with the way things stand right now. And here's the fun part. Oakland has the Dallas Cowboys pick. Dallas Cowboys have won three straight football games, going from <laughs> three and five to six and five. The Chicago Bears have won five straight football games, going from three and three to eight and three. So the Raiders have to be sitting back and prospecting where these draft selections are currently projected and they just got to be losing their minds because three, three, four weeks ago, we were talking about the Raiders having potentially three top 15 picks. And here they are now. And they've got 22 and 26 on top of three, which they might be flushing down the toilet because they want to reset the quarterback position. Yeah, that's a, that's extremely interesting, right? So Raiders fans, you are fans of whoever's playing Dallas and Chicago, but the way that the, that those divisions are trending, you know, they're, well, Chicago's leading the North, and, and the, the NFC East is just wide open. And so, uh, I think there's going to be some more wins in both teams' future, and, and this is going to likely be a situation where they're picking in the top five, and then maybe probably going to have to wait until after the twenty to get those next two picks. Speaking of teams with multiple first round picks, Kyle, the Green Bay Packers are the other team with, with that second first-round pick. And it comes from the New Orleans Saints, right? Because uh, the trade-up for Marcus Davenport, where the Packers were able to move back, still get Jair Alexander, who's been a great player for them, and, and pick up that additional first-round pick this year. But right now, and, and I think anybody's going to tell you that 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 Saints pick is going to be somewhere 29-30, 31-32, right? right? Like they're going to be in the NFC Championship game. And so – does that help? Does that help us swallow the pill of Marcus Davenport for two first round picks because it's going to wind up being one of the last four in the first round, or is there still major question marks in your mind with with giving up so much to get Davenport? No, I absolutely think that that helps ease the loss because you're essentially talking about an early two now. Well, if they end up picking, if if the Saints win the Super Bowl, then all of a sudden they've given the last first round pick to trade up and get a player that addresses a position of need for them, even if we felt like the value wasn't necessarily appropriate to give up a second first-round pick and trade up and get Marcus Davenport, who, from what I've seen, has had flashes, but he's not the dominant presence that you know that I'm sure they would love to have seen him be, given the cost of what it took to go up and trade for him. But I, I agree with you in the sentiment that uh, the Packers have to be disappointed that this pick looks like it's going to be a low return, but it's house money for them. And the Saints have to be thrilled that they were able to give up the extra one, and it's going to end up being one of the last picks in the first. Kyle, another team that comes to mind, Houston Texans, picking number 27 right now. They've won eight straight football games. they better chill out a little bit. Well, look – I like Houston, right? There's one of the most likable teams out there. J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, Nuke Hopkins. I mean, they're, they're just a fun, fun football team. And 
everybody knows what they need. They need offensive line. And we've talked about this offensive line class where Jonah Williams is the cream of the crop. It, it appears based on what we've seen so far and the way we, we think this will unfold. And maybe he's a, a top 10 or 15 worthy selection. But after that, you start wondering, like, where's the real value in terms of a first-round offensive lineman? Well, good for Houston, right? Like, I think they're going to position themselves really well to be comfortable picking in the late 20s and still using a top pick on an offensive lineman and not feeling like it's a reach for need, right? Because that's the beautiful part about the draft is when your top-rated player available is a player at a position of need. And Houston's going to kind of be able to, to do that, it would appear, uh, by 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 winning, which is always the goal, and uh, and still you know pushing themselves down the draft order, and still being able to address their primary need come next April. And I think this conversation about Houston and their draft selection and the needed offensive tackle uh, kind of echoes a point that you and I had touched on briefly just the other week on the podcast, talking about how an elite quarterback prospect, how he's capable of elevating the play around him. Right. You watch that that Monday night football game against yeah. the Titans. Yeah. Deshaun was under some heat in various stretches of that game. Titans got cold in the middle portion of that game with their pass rush. But Deshaun Watson was under pressure. And I'm seeing Deshaun Watson extend plays and avoid sacks and avoid contact and use his mobility as a weapon and keep his eyes down the field. And it's a great illustration of what a guy like him can do on a team that has such a glaring need at offensive tackle their offensive tackles are terrible but yet despite that they've got long arms they're fairly athletic so they can run off guys off the edge and Sean Watson can get off of his platform and continue to make plays happen within the pocket and outside the pocket so I think Houston's a great barometer right now of if you have a legitimate top end quarterback young quarterback mobile quarterback playmaking quarterback they can mask the issues in your offense. So if you're a team that's currently struggling, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Miami Dolphins, and, and you just can't see your offense get off the ground, and maybe you've had some injuries, and maybe your offensive line's not where it's supposed to be, I think that's a big detriment to the people that you have in place at the signal caller position because we see you know, Philadelphia Eagles, you know Carson Wentz, Missed the first couple games of the season. He started slow. He's still recovering. He just had a report come out that he's not fully recovered from the knee injury he suffered last year. He's starting to turn up the heat a little bit. He's making plays happen. Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. This team was supposed to suck, but this year they're supposed to be terrible. Yeah. Right now they're six and five. They won their last two football games. Russell Wilson's having a career year. Cam Newton, the Carolina Panthers. This team's in a little bit of a slide. They're six and five. They lost their last three, but at the same time. Watch Carolina's first eight games. And Cam Newton, again, another player who can extend plays, create plays with his legs. So you see these teams that are middling success versus astounding success in the case of the the Houston Texans and the C-game winning streak. And I think it can really give you a barometer on the type of player that you have, even if you have holes on the roster. Kyle, the last point I want to bring up is the Miami Dolphins because this is a team when I – now, look, this is an interesting team for me, and I want to learn from you here. Miami is – I struggled with them. In my last mock draft two weeks ago, they were picking 19, yep. and I gave them Daniel Jones. And I felt bad about it, but I think Daniel Jones is going to go in the first round, and I think Miami wants to make a change at quarterback. 
they're in no man's land, Kyle. And when you when you survey this team and you think about the quarterback position, and you've even kind of hinted that you'd be okay with a move for a guy like Andy Dalton. I don't know if that Joe Flacco, but something like that. Like you're just hungry for something different. How does this draft order in this in this draft class shape up to help Miami turn the corner, I guess, become start making those strides towards consistent winning? Uh, I think if you look at Super Bowl winning teams over the last several seasons, right? They're either a player with an elite quarterback who's a good bargain, despite making a very large sum of money, or they're a team with a young quarterback that's on a rookie contract, right? Ryan Tannehill is neither one of those things. So what changes can you make to the quarterback position that gets you closer to having one of those two things? You bring in a two- or three-year bridge guy, it's different because you know he's not the long-term answer. Ryan Tannehill's still 30 years old. He's still got several years left on his contract. So by continuing to commit to him, you're committing to the status quo, which is what the Dolphins have been for the last 15 years. Seven and nine, eight and eight, six and 10. This mediocre team that's never in a position to get aggressive and go up and make a trade and really shake up the foundation and make a big play for a big time difference maker on their roster. So as I survey this year's draft class, not a good year to need a quarterback. Okay. Right. What can Ryan Tannehill fetch in free agency what can or what can ryan Tannehill catch in a potential trade market do you want to eat the money and continue to pay ryan Tannehill and draft a second year quarterback knowing that you're probably going to be in the market again in 2020 i don't know and that's what as you said makes the dolphins such a difficult team to peg because they can't keep doing the same thing we've reached the point where it's time to move it's time to make something different happen because you've seen teams like cleveland totally reshaped their culture seemingly overnight. San Francisco got aggressive and traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's unfortunately injured. The Jets traded several third-round picks to go up and get a promising young quarterback in Sam Darnold. The Arizona Cardinals jumped up and drafted Josh Rosen, the pick ahead of the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins helping enable the Eagles to make the trades to go get Carson Wentz. The list goes on and on and on. We've seen the Dolphins stand pat long enough. So the Dolphins... If those seats start getting hot, y'all better start dancing and making some moves. I just don't know what that looks like. Yeah, it's it's so they're so weird to me. And, and if, what's funny about the last two years, this year and last with the Dolphins, is Tannehill's played what five games of that or something, and you know missed all of last yeah. season, and he's been banged up this year. And it's yeah. like it's almost the worst thing, right? Because now there's this like somewhat of an idea that maybe there's something in Tannehill, but to your point, he's 30. We know who Tannehill is. And maybe somebody different just for the sake of it being somebody different would be the best thing for this. It it would push the team one way or the other. You bring, you bring in Andy Dalton or Joe Flacco. It's going to push the team to either compete because they're a seasoned veteran who has, promising stretches of play throughout the course of their career that's at different points in their career trajectories, or they're going to suck and it's going to enable you to get aggressive and make some moves happen for the 2020 class, which should be full of more promising quarterback prospects. Last thing, Teddy Bridgewater, Kyle, like he's, this is the, to me, he's the friggin' X factor for this draft and for teams like Miami, like Jacksonville, 
that are in this position? Have you warmed up to the idea of him signing a multi-year contract with more than twenty uh, average of twenty million a season by some team this offseason? I mean, and would you want it to be Miami? He, if he hits the market, sure. <sighs> He's going to hit the market. All right. If I'm looking at teams that are potentially contenders to sign Teddy Bridgewater, it ain't going to be Jacksonville. We got to let it go. Why? The Jaguars have turned their nose up to Teddy Bridgewater multiple times. They passed on a trade for Teddy Bridgewater involving Dante Fowler. (sighs) Okay. Well, so Jacksonville's out. Cross them off the list. They, uh, for whatever reason, they're not interested in Teddy Bridgewater. Dumb. I don't disagree with you. (laughs) Washington. Washington. Yes. Miami. I could get on board with. Um, Tampa. What's Tampa Bay I was, doing I was with James? Say, what, what about Tampa? Tampa's an interesting one. I could get on board with Tampa. There's plenty. Of, Someone's going to do it. There's plenty of likable fits. It's just a question Some... of if he hits the market and how crazy things are going to get. Because knowing that there's a barren quarterback class in the draft, teams will probably be willing to pony up. Yeah. And I'm sure it will be an incentive laden deal, right? It's got to be centered around playing time and performance on the field because he's a big wild card. So teams are probably going to have some apprehension as far as the risk incurred with, with signing him, given the extent of his knee injury, even though he played in the preseason this year for the Jets. And and we talked about Kirk Cousins last offseason at length about how he impacted the draft, right? I mean, with all the, we had five first round quarterbacks last year. Teams that needed quarterbacks didn't draft them, and then we were all wondering, okay, well, what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins because he was a big domino to fall because you know the Jets were in play. Well, he signed with Minnesota. I think Bridgewater is a guy that's going to have implications here, and that is going to ultimately have an impact on the way this goes and the way that. We see this quarterback carousel spin a little bit in this offseason, which I think is going to get very unique and very creative in what we see and, and maybe some teams kind of kind of just going down that course of let's make a change or the hell of making a change and maybe we're not sure we're upgrading, but at least we're kind of putting ourselves in position to do something. You know it's a good way to find out? What you got? Hit subscribe on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Follow along. We'll be here all throughout the winter and the spring months to see you through free agency in the NFL draft and the draft circuit. So make sure you follow along. We got a super show coming up on Friday with John and Trevor of locked on NFL draft. So you guys got that to look forward to tomorrow's baby big boards with a topic to be determined. So you guys have something to look forward to a little mystery bag on Thursday's episode of the draft dudes. You have takes for takes on takes Tuesday. Please hit us up. We've gotten some already with the hashtag takes on takes. You can reach us on Twitter. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I am at grinding the tape. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks as always, guys, for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.